Let's Talk About Books, baby, where we talk with your favorite LGBTQ authors. This is Anita Kelly, and my guest today is the award-winning author, Jessica Webb. Hi, Jessica. Hi, Anita. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, thanks for being here. How's it going? It's going pretty well, actually, one year into this pandemic and, and still hanging in, thankfully. Awesome. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know. I can't believe it's a, a year later. Yeah, quite the anniversary. I know, right? It's an anniversary I could do without, but at least, <laughs> at least I'm here. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. So are you uh, are you getting vaccinated or have the opportunity to be vaccinated? I will have the opportunity, but um, I get to work from home most of the time. So I'm not very high up on the priority list. So thankful that I've been able to work from home. Um, so trying to hold on to some of that patience um, for being low down on the priority list. I'm, I'm grateful that it exists and I'm grateful that um, the priority list exists for people who are out on the front lines. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Um, yeah, I, have been working from home for the last year, but um, I had an opportunity uh, to get vaccinated. And um, the director of the health bureau was like, you know, Anita, it's not going to come along again. Just do it. <laughs> yes, it is definitely one of those. If you have the opportunity, yeah. it is definitely one of those just do it moments for yep. sure. So I did it. So, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm happy. Um, so, so. Uh, Jessica, I don't. Do you like to be called Jessica or Jess or something else or? Uh, either Jessica or Jess is perfectly fine by me. Thank you for asking. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, um, what what's your most recent uh, novel that that you have uh, released? So my most recent book is Storm Lines, which came out through Bold Strokes Books uh, back in July. Um, so Stormlines, two main characters, Devin, who's a burnt out psychologist on leave from her job at a busy hospital, and Marley, who is a cop who is always doing the wrong things, but for the right reasons. So most recently, Marley has kind of crossed the line as she likes to do. She's supporting an eight-year-old who is caught up in her father's drug dealing ring. And Marley and Devin um, sort of support this eight-year-old and her grandmother as they, you know, work through some pretty tough times together. Wow. Okay. So Devin or Marley, I should say, is one of those cops whose heart is in the right place, but maybe crosses some boundaries. You got it. So she goes through, which happens in a few of my books, she goes through some, am I really in the right occupation um, sort of moments? Actually, both the main characters do, but yes, Marley has a a very, very big heart, and she's not necessarily all that good at following rules. Okay, maybe she should have been a social worker. <laughs> yes, yes, it's right in there, I think. <laughs> so, well, that's great. Um, yeah, I, uh, and that came out in July, right? You said? Yes, it came out last July. Okay, and um, so you have quite a few. I was looking through your list of, of published works, and you have quite a few. Um yeah, Stormlines was number six. Wow, that's awesome. That really is. And I was reading that, um, so your second novel, right, ever, mm -hmm. uh, did you win a Lammy Award or were you were nominated? 
I, I did, yeah, Pathogen, um, which was my second novel, won uh, a Lammy, which is still surprising to me. I'm not going to lie. It is still a bit of a shocker, even though it's a couple of years ago now. Um, yeah, so that was my second book that came out. That is amazing. <laughs> it is. My, my first three books um, are a series, the Dr. Kate Morrison thriller series. So, so Pathogen is, is the second in the series, which also seems surprising to me that um, it's not even the first <laughs> in the series or the you know big conclusion in the series. It was smack in the middle. Yeah, sometimes um, that happens, you know, it's, it's weird. Yeah, yeah. So that was, it was an amazing experience. It was a surreal experience. I was still so new to writing and publishing. I was so new to navigating people's reactions to my writing um, and sharing my characters and, and sharing what had been a very hidden private <laughs> part of myself. Um, so then to be, you know, literally up on stage and accepting an award for Pathogen was was a, a beautiful moment, um, a very proud, very proud moment for me. But it was also a, a very surreal moment, a difficult thing to wrap my head around. I bet that's like that's like a a new a new actor winning an Emmy. You know, it's like <laughs> it's really you know. I, I think so, and I I I didn't even know at that at that point. Again, I was I was still so new to to the world, even though it was my second book. Um, it came out not too long after my first. So I was quite caught up in the whirlwind of, of, of all of the writing, editing, publishing, promoting, let alone the awards universe. Um, so I'm not sure I even really understood back then how big of a deal it was um, to be winning a, a, a Lammy. So I've got a lot of perspective on that now, yeah. but I, 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 I stand by my, my just being really proud of myself in, uh, in that yeah. moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the series then consists of, was it Trigger? Yep. Trigger. And then Pathogen is the second one. And then Troop 18 ah. was the conclusion of that series. Okay. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that series? And Yeah. So Dr. Kate Morrison um, is uh She's a doctor in British Columbia, and in, in Trigger, quite early on in the novel, she gets caught up in uh, investigation, which is led by Sergeant Andy Wiles. Um, and that investigation has to do with um, humans that are turned into weapons that are triggered by touch. Um, so a little bit of, I don't know, a little bit of sci-fi in, into that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's how Kate and Andy meet and, um, spoiler alert, fall in love. And it might not be a spoiler, actually, that, that I, maybe, I <laughs> maybe a few people could have guessed that one. Um, and then in Pathogen, uh, Kate and Andy work together again. Um, Pathogen is about uh, an epidemic, a pandemic, a virus that gets released into a community. Honestly, I have not been able to read it <laughs> since then. That's and it's bizarre. A, it is. It's it's really quite bizarre. Um, so that one's a contained one. This is not a global mm -hmm. pandemic. It's quite, quite contained okay. to a, a small mountain town in British Columbia. Uh, 
And Kate and Andy struggle in that one. They're navigating a new relationship while trying to navigate a very, you know, difficult investigation. And Troop 18 is actually told from Andy's point of view. The first two are written from Kate's point of view. So we get to know Sergeant Andy Wiles um, in Troop 18, um, which I really loved getting into her head and, and writing how much she thinks about Kate and loves Kate. And um, yeah, so they work through uh, an investigation with a troop of RCMP cadets. And so that's where sort of that mystery element comes in there. That's quite clever to have the final book uh, from a different point of view. That's great. I loved it. Um, it took me a while to learn how to write two points of view in one book. I'm not going to lie. It was, it was quite an undertaking yeah. for me and it, it took me a while to, to get there. But um, I, I just love sort of singing into one character's thoughts and, and being able to, to really write their perspective. That is really cool. That's great. So um, troop 18 is not about like, a Girl Scout troop. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's uh, sort of our, our national police force is the RCMP, the, you know, red surge that you would um, see commonly associated with uh, Canada. Okay. Um, is that the Royal so, Canadian Police? Yeah, the okay. Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Okay. Um, so that's who um, Sergeant Andy Wiles, Andy, works for the RCMP in, in British Columbia. So it's one of those cadets, um, troops of cadets that um, there seems to be something going on and Andy gets called in to see if she can get to the bottom of it. Oh, cool. I'll have to check that out. I actually have it. I just, it's, it's on my list. It's in my pile. You must have a very big pile. (laughs) I do. I do. (laughs) I cannot lie. I do. (laughs) So, um, have you always written thrillers, mystery kind of novels? Trigger was my first novel, full stop. Um, so yes, (laughs) my, um, all of my books are thrillers and, and mysteries. I really love the tension of thrillers and of mysteries. Uh, I love trying to figure out what's happening next, but also the pacing of um, having that tension and then having some things get resolved and then a new piece coming in and and bringing it all uh, together. As a reader, I love mysteries and thrillers because in my the back of my head, I'm wondering what I would do in these situations. And then as a writer, then I get to figure out, you know, what are my characters? What would my characters do in, in this situation? Um, so I actually then get to play it out and act it out. And um, I, I love that part as, as a writer of, of the thriller and mystery genre. That takes a lot of character development um, and, and plot development, right? Yes. Yeah, it definitely does. Like, um, and, and the two have to mesh pretty well. Um they do. My favorite part of any book in any genre, and I read a lot of different genres, including nonfiction. I'm slightly obsessed with biographies and autobiographies biographies right now. Uh-huh. Um, but because I love 
well, I guess in an autobiography, I can't call them a character, but you know what I mean? I uh -huh. just love, yeah. I love human stories, I guess I should say, whether they are um, fiction or nonfiction, I really love human stories. So the wrapping around it and how that gets presented to me um, isn't as important to me as as that human story. I, I want to know about people. I want to know their thoughts. I want to know their stories. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm very much a, a character driver character-driven reader and, and very much a character-driven writer as well. Cool, cool. Well, I have a recommendation for you then. My spouse just read uh, Gabriel Burns um, autobiography. Oh, okay. And she really, she really enjoyed it. She really liked it. Okay, um, I'm writing that down. Yeah, and so much so she wants to, to watch uh, Treatment all over again. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I, love, I do love getting slightly obsessed with, with, with the people and then wanting to know more and, and dig a little deeper. It does get a little, you know, fangirlish sometimes, but I think that's okay. It's all, yeah. it's all in good fun. I think. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. yeah. <laughs> as long as you don't get stalkerish, that's fine. Yes. Right? Then it's perfectly fine. <laughs> totally normal. Yeah. So, um, do you have, like, do your novels have this romantic aspect to them then? Right. Yeah, it's not a main plot, um, or it's not the main purpose of, of why I write, uh, but I, one of the things I love about human stories is exploring the relationships. Um, and I think the pairing of a mystery thriller and romance really works for me because talk about tension. Um, there's so many different ways to look at tension and looking at a developing relationship, no matter where it is in that development and difficult times or hard times or, um, you know, things that are traumatic or scary mm -hmm. and taking two people who are trying to get to know each other and putting them in a, a scary, tense situation and seeing how they both navigate it. And sometimes they navigate it, it well. Mm -hmm. I don't think a romance needs to be just about you know, they're, they're put in a scary or difficult situation and they handle it magically and therefore they're meant to be together. I think the human story there is they're put, they're, they're in a scary or, or tense situation together. And you know what? It's hard and they fumble and, and they get nervous and they say the wrong thing or they do the wrong thing and they figure it out. And, you know, all of that leads them to knowing themselves better and knowing each other better. Um, so I, I love that. So the romance is not a main driver in any of my books, but it is, it is definitely, uh, uh, I think a very strong foundational component of, of what I write and what I put together for, for these characters. Are you a therapist by any chance? <laughs> no, do I sound like a therapist? Uh -huh. I yeah. love it. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, <laughs> uh, I'm not. I I come from sort of a behaviorish background, okay. so close in, enough. In, in my day, yeah, I think you're. You know what? You're you're probably um, you're probably pretty accurate in your assessment. I I spend a lot of my time in education, helping teachers understand. You know why why are students maybe acting the way they're acting? It's because they're trying to you know get their needs met in the world and. You know, they're just trying to feel calm and safe and good. And I'm like, well, that's not so different from, yeah. you know, I put my characters in these situations and why are they acting the way they act? Well, they're just trying to do their best and they're trying to make connections and they're trying to feel calm and good and yeah. safe. Yeah. So, so that's yeah. great. So you have this background in analyzing behaviors. That's awesome. That really probably lends a great deal to your work. 
I think so. A lot of, I think a lot of writing in general, whether you have that background or not, is, is asking why. Why are my characters in this situation? Why are they acting the way they're acting? What do they want from the world? What do they want from each other? Um, and if we're answering those questions, that's, that's where the story comes into it, I think. Yeah, you're giving depth to them. Mm-hmm, very much so. Yeah. So where do you draw your experiences from, um, like for your character building and, and plot development? Because like, um, they're, they're very unique. <laughs> they are, and I have a hard time answering that. Sometimes it's from, um, well, Kate and Andy started from watching a show being inspired by Fringe, um, which is a very, very sci-fi show which hasn't been on for a while and I miss it dreadfully um yeah so that was a very much a sci-fi and and cop sort of show um and it just sort of got my brain spinning about you know different scenarios and and why someone you know one day I got had this vision of what would end up being Kate and Andy standing with a patient between them on a bed and the cop was saying to the doctor you're not allowed to touch him and me being me, well, why? <laughs> why can't you touch them? Mm-hmm. So um, I think more so than that, it's things that are in the news. Um, I drive a lot for work or hmm, I used to drive a lot for work. <laughs> and so I spent a lot of time in my car listening um, to the radio and listening to the news. And it sometimes if I'm in a, in a creative headspace, then my brain starts to take some of these concepts and just sort of spin it. So I was listening to uh, um, a piece on concussions and really how little we know about concussions and how the brain works. Um, So while the show was still going on and I was driving, I just sort of had this idea planted. I wonder if someone could take advantage of that. Um, I wonder if we know so little, but does that mean someone could use that lack of knowledge and exploit it for evil? Um, and the repercussions, uh, my, my fourth book was, wow. was born out of that idea. Wow. That's amazing. See, I would have put a totally different spin on that. It would have been like this happy little love story. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I could, I can't handle the angst. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's funny though, how then our, our brains, sort of shy away from some things but then want to secretly explore because like I'm a fairly I'm generally a fairly anxious person um and I think in some ways that's that helps my creativity because my anxiety says to me well you know what if this what if this happened and then my creative brain kind of takes over and like yeah let's spin that into a story so sometimes it's helpful I'd say that's true if you were like really laid back you'd be like yeah whatever like, yeah and not question it yeah yeah <laughs> yeah not question it no my brain always questions it always <laughs> so um if um well let's let me ask you this when when did you actually start writing I started writing novels I guess about 11 or 12 years ago. Um, that's when I first got the idea for Trigger and started, just started writing, having never attempted a novel before. And I completed all three of the Dr. Kate Morrison thriller series before I even tried to get published. Wow. Um, 
I will fully admit that that was a complete lack of bravery on my part. I did not feel confident enough. I did not feel brave enough to, to let it out into the world and let other people beyond a very small circle really read it or know that I was even writing it. Um, it was a very difficult for, thing for me to to really get the confidence to to try to send it out there and and try to get published. So, wow, I have I have a couple questions about that. All right, yeah, sure. So, so what when when you sent in your first like trigger for mm -hmm. publication, did you let the publisher know at the time? Hey, I have two more of these sitting at home. Um, I did. <laughs> I did. So I had to be very careful um, navigating, trying to get uh, an agent or a publisher is its own, its own learning curve and writing a query letter and sending out, you know, questions to the world about, Hey, would you like to take a look at my book, please? It's really good. And just getting the right language for that is was a whole other learning experience for me. Um, so yes, I, I worked very carefully at the wording of trying to sell trigger while also saying that I had a completed um, second and third novel in, in the series. So once, once the first one was accepted, did they say, okay, show us the goods? <laughs> well, um, how both strokes works anyway is that I signed a contract for Trigger um, and then as I moved along, signed contracts for uh, Pathogen and, and Troop 18 uh, as well. Yeah. Okay. So they came out in pretty quick succession and not because I'm a really fast writer, but because they were already written. <laughs> you know, I was wondering about that. I saw uh, Trigger and Pathogens were both published in 2016 and I was like, wow, that's, you know, for a first time writer, that's really, you know, putting it out there. <laughs> yeah. And, and it turns out it was the complete opposite. <laughs> I'd been sitting on them for, you know, five years before I finally got around to, to sending them. So, well, that's, that's really amazing. Like that you, uh, you know, wrote these stories and, and sent them in. I'm, I'm so glad that you, you finally decided to do that. Um, that's great. Thank you. Me, me too. I am in so many ways thankful that I, I found the bravery and that I have a, a family, my wife in particular, who um, really just built up my confidence to make me at least try to put it out there and, and see what would happen. And it's been a, a really fantastic experience ever since. Oh, that's so cool. So does does your wife or other family members, do they read your work and um, like provide feedback and comments to you? Yes, uh, I have an incredibly supportive family. So my wife reads all of my drafts um, and I'm better now. So back when I wrote Trigger, I actually couldn't be in the house while she was reading it. It made me so anxious. Um, I just could not stand to be around just in the same building. So I would just drive around and eat licorice mostly. She's like, um, yeah, I'm done. Come home. <laughs> yeah, 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 pretty much. Um, my parents read drafts of my book really? and yeah, offer feedback. Uh, I, I, I can't even tell you how supportive my extended family is. My grandmother has read my no books way. Yep, and thinks they should be in the library of her long-term care home. Aww. And 
Mm-hmm. And she's in her early 90s. That's um, so awesome. Yeah. Cousins, my aunt and uncles buy my books, even though I could give them to them for free. You know, my cousin of my cousin who worked in a bookstore set up a book signing for me. Just yeah. honestly, I, I, I can't say enough about how much my family supports supports my writing. It's I'm very, very blessed that way. Oh, that is really wonderful. That's mm-hmm, great. I, I, I love your grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> That's fantastic. That really is. Yeah, I'm lucky. Yeah, definitely. Um, so has becoming a published author like changed your life in any way? It's opened up my life, for sure. Um, How's that? And I still... I'm, it's just given me a whole other avenue of expressing myself through writing. Mm-hmm. It's connected me. My favorite part of all of this has connected me with the most incredible oh. people who I would not have been able to meet if I if I hadn't been published and, and pursued writing. Um, like my editor, Jerry Wheeler, for example, who's just an incredible human and makes me a better writer. Um, Bold Strokes Books as a family. Um, and people I've met, you know, a few times through various events who feel like family, even though I've only seen them a few times. Mm-hmm. Uh, readers, uh, just readers in general who reach out to say that they've connected with something that I've written, which is incredibly meaningful. And even readers who have become friends, you know. Um, so in that way, it, is, it has absolutely changed my life. Um, I love the confidence piece of it. Writing is... Writing is still a difficult thing. It's not always joyous. It's not always, you know, having won a Lammy doesn't make the writing process any easier. And in fact, there are moments that it it, it can make it a little bit harder. Gotcha. Um, yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's, there's, there's pressure that didn't exist when I was writing and nobody knew it except my wife. Um, so, but I have, I have this confidence that I didn't have back when I was writing. I, I have I have six published novels on my shelf and that feels absolutely wonderful. So the the you know person who was afraid 10 years ago that other people were gonna find out and couldn't even call myself a writer out loud, that person doesn't exist anymore. Oh, that's so, so in, wonderful. In, it is. So in that way it's changed my life. Um, in the day-to-day existence, you know. Not, not so much, and I'm okay with that. I still work full-time. Writing is still something I do in the wee hours of the morning before anybody is awake and before my day job starts. Seriously? Is that when you write? Yeah, I write at 5 a.m. when I'm when I'm writing. Holy smokes. I'm up at, at 5 a.m. My brain works best in really? the morning. Really? Do you drink mm-hmm. coffee? <laughs> I drink a lot of tea. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, (laughs) caffeine is definitely a a, a part of my writing process. Um, So yes, my the structure of my day looks different when I'm actively writing. But you know, it's writing's given me uh, amazing, amazing, wonderful things in my life, and my day to day life um, still does look very similar to my pre writing days. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Good for you. I'm really happy for you. Thank you so much. That's awesome. 
So um, when you're when you're writing, like for say for your your uh, first three novels, a series, did you have to do a significant amount of research um, for each one or? Uh, yes, I've done research for all of my books, just to varying degrees, depending on the topic. It's kind of funny looking back at Trigger, you know, because it had a slightly sci-fi element, I needed to make sure that it sounded plausible. Mm -hmm. It did not need to be possible. I didn't need to get into the science of it. And in fact, because it was about bombs, Mm -hmm. I was really too nervous to do a lot of Googling just in case you know, my computer got hacked or, you know, yeah. the RCMP actually showed up on my doorstep. So oh, I yeah. got, I got nervous. Um, I can understand so I, that. <laughs> yeah. It just didn't feel great typing some of these things into a, you know, into Google. So yeah. um, did I do research for that? Sure. Um, but I, I relied heavily on, on sort of plausibility there. Um Pathogen is where I did most of my, most of my, you know, real research because I was writing about a virus and because it was much more scientific and there were components of um, the characters learning about viruses and and about these things. I had to do a lot of learning. I did a lot of research there. I have since, I'm not going to lie, because it was 10 years ago, I've since forgotten all of those things. So I can't even pull them out now to help me understand what's happening in this global pandemic because I learned what I needed to learn. Mm -hmm. I put it in the book and then promptly forgot it all. Yep. Out of sight, out of mind. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, pretty much. Um, You know, it's, it's, that is a tricky thing, right? To Google something you don't know, like, um, right, who's going to show up at your door? But if you would actually go to the library and do that, like somebody might get suspicious, like some librarian, and call the police or something, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. If I made a regular habit of walking into my local library and just checking out, you know, bomb making yeah. books, I'm sure there would be some raised eyebrows and some community concerns about me. And, uh, and yeah. fair enough. Yeah. That is. <laughs> It is totally fair, and I would appreciate that as a community member. That's true. Um, so, yeah, I, I did have to be a little careful. A lot of my research is, is trying to develop backstory and making the setting feel real, for example. Um, that That's really important to me as well. I want to make sure in Stormlines takes place in a city called Hamilton, which is about 45 minutes from where I live. Um, I've been there many times. I've never lived there though. And I got feedback from a reader saying it really felt like Hamilton. Um, so I love that. That's that's really important to me to not just drop characters into a very static space, mm-hmm. um, but to have that, that setting and the feel of a place really uh, contribute to the story that's going on around them. Yeah, that's nice. That's you did your homework. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you have um another book that we haven't talked about, uh, Shadow Boxer, right? Yes. Okay. And what's that about? So Shadow Boxer is definitely when you could ask me if I'm a therapist because this is <laughs> um this is one of my darker books. Um, Shadow Boxer is about Jordan, who is a social worker or is training to become a social worker. She's a former boxer. Um, And Allie, who um, is her first love from high school, and they haven't seen each other in a very long time. And Jordan is working with uh, youth who are 
homeless or precariously housed. And um, what Jordan really comes to discover is that someone's kind of leading the kids. They are in some kind of underground movement. Um, And she's incredibly protective of her kids uh, and very close to them. So um, she, along with Ali's support, uh, spends a lot of time just trying to figure out how to take care of these kids and to make sure that they're safe. Great. Great. For a minute there, I thought you were going to say Allie was the one leading them astray. And I was like, no. <laughs> no apparently I'm not, I'm not that dark, apparently. <laughs> wow. All right. So, um, so what, what's next? Are you, do you have a work in progress? Um, I don't have a work in progress. I, I do have an idea in progress. I'm not sure if that's the same. You know, a lot of writers talk about their WIP, their work in progress, and mm-hmm. I'm going to call mine an IIP, which is an idea in progress. That works. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm pretty excited, honestly, to even have an idea in, in progress. Stormlines is really tough for me to write. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out why. Um, I think sometimes because I really like to descend into books and into characters and into the plot, mm-hmm. um, that can be really tough and very, very draining. Um, so as much as I love it and love bringing these characters to life and, and giving characters voice, uh, it, it can be really hard. So I'm not sure why Stormlines in particular was was so tough. Um so I knew I knew after sending out the first draft that I was going to need to take a, a, a break from from writing, that I couldn't just jump into another idea. Um, it it wasn't going to feel good, and it wasn't going to feel right if I couldn't give it the kind of sort of heart and attention that I I want to give all of my books and my characters. So, in the meantime, though. I, I haven't had a lot of will to write. That could be because of the pandemic. Um, yeah. it, I haven't had a lot of drive to write. And so I've just sort of been letting things rest and letting things percolate. So in the last couple of months, I I finally did get an idea and I did my brain did start to, you know, flush out some characters and some ideas and some plot and some tension between them. And I did start asking, you know, who is this person and and why are they here right now? And why are they doing what they're doing? What's their motivation for, for interacting with the people around them the way they are? What, what do they want from life? Um, so I'm really excited that my brain's asking why again, and I've got that curiosity back and I can, I can just take that figment and really start to play with it. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm hoping that an idea keeps being a, a playful thought until I'm ready to um, really honestly just knuckle down and, and turn it into a book. Well, I'll take that as a good sign that we're coming out on the other end of this pandemic. That would be beautiful. The end of the pandemic and the beginning of a book. I mean, that, that sounds very poetic and romantic. And I I think that should be the way it goes. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I do too. (laughs) Wow. So, so good luck with that IIP. Um, (laughs) Thank you. I like my IIP. I do too. I'm going to have to use that. Yes. So, all right. Um, Jess, I am going to ask you a very personal question. You're right. All right. Ready? Yes. Okay. So what is one of your little known guilty pleasures? One of my little known guilty pleasures. <sighs> I don't know if it's little known at this point because I've uh-uh. shared it before. I, I love doing laundry. So 
What? Yeah, I not only do I love it, I absolutely rely on it. So there are times when I've done all the laundry in the house and I start to just stress a little and decide that I need to do all the, you know, bathroom towels again um, or the bed needs to get made again. Um, I especially love hanging laundry on the line outside. There's something so incredibly soothing about that. Um, and living in Canada, I don't get to do that all year round. Yeah, but not. It's a lot of months where it's just a really bad idea. Um, yeah, I just, it is a very soothing. I also love, for those of you who are wondering, I also love the folding of the laundry. Oh, that's the worst part. Uh, That's what I hear. People can't stand the folding, but I love washing it. I love all of it. I don't love putting it away. I'm I'm not going to lie. That's my least favorite part. Oh, yeah. give everyone their own stacks of laundry and just hope it makes it where it's supposed to make it. But wow. pretty much the rest of it is that is my guilty pleasure. Not even guilty. That is my <laughs> that is my pleasure All in right. life is is doing laundry. Yeah. So I will admit I do the laundry in our house, but only because <laughs> I am like totally anal about it. Um, <laughs> really? Like, yeah, I understand there are rules. Oh, there are. Yeah. Major rules. And yes. um, and so. I, I also do a lot of genealogy and like when, when you look back on census sheets, they had people's occupations listed and it's funny because we came across washerwoman. So like when I, when I want some, you know, sympathy, I'll like walk down the hall with bag or, or a you know, basket of laundry and say, oh, it's just the old washerwoman <laughs> at <it> again. <laughs> it, oh, I love it. it. Gets me no sympathy, though. <laughs> well, I need to discover now if it never occurred to me that maybe this is like a family genetic historical connection. I think I need to do some discovering of my own. Could be. Definitely could be. Yep. I love yeah. that idea. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, Jess, do you like to hear from your readers? Um, and, uh, you know, if so, how, how would someone contact you? I do love hearing from readers. Um, I take it to heart now because I used to be really shy about reaching out to authors and saying, I loved your book. Um, but now as an author, it's super meaningful to me when someone oh. says, I made a connection or I loved this part or... You know, this this character made me laugh or made me angry. I got that a lot from Pathogen. Um, really? Yes. Uh, there's a just a gross, terrible character that I loved writing in it. Um, <laughs> so it's just really meaningful to me. It, it it makes some of those really hard parts of writing really worth it. So absolutely reach out. And I'm much, I, I do it too now. I'm much better at reaching out to people to thank them for what they've um, provided for me as a reader. And I'm on Twitter and, and Facebook. Those are both good ways to get in touch with me. Or uh, jessicalweb.author at Gmail is also a good place to um, send me your thoughts. And I'd, I'd love to hear from readers. Oh, that's great. That's great. You know, um, oftentimes we'll have our, our listeners will send me a, a message and say, how, how do I contact that person? Uh, you know, so. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's wonderful. I, I, I love that people take the time and the effort and sometimes the bravery because it's bravery for me. Yeah. I love that people take the time and effort and bravery to reach out. Absolutely. It is. It's a risk, you know, it is. Just, it feels risky. Yeah. Just as it is, it's a risk for you to put your work out there, you know, for the world. 
Um, yeah, but you know, we've got these moments, then we make connections and, and that feels good. And it is definitely worth, worth the risk. Oh, absolutely. Definitely. So, um, Jess, do you have any parting words for our listeners? I feel like we had like a bit of a, a therapy session there getting at <laughs> some vulnerabilities. <laughs> um, that, that's my day job. <laughs> okay. See that, that makes sense to me. Um, I think one of the things I, I look at in shadow boxer is imposter syndrome is um, that idea that you, you can't be smart and brave and good and fabulous at things because there's a voice in your head that's telling you to, you know, sit down and be quiet and um, there's no way you can possibly be successful at it. So whatever that, that voice is, you know, whatever we can do to make that voice smaller for ourselves and, and for each other um I think that building up is, is always going to be worth it because then fabulous things come from it. It doesn't mean, you know, go out and be a writer necessarily, but whatever that voice in your head is telling you, um, find a way to help make it smaller so that you can go do something fabulous and, and go be fabulous. Yeah. That's great. Great advice. Follow that voice, right? Follow that voice. Yeah. Follow that good one telling you, you can do things. Yep. Definitely. Definitely. Great. Well, thanks for that. Um, and, and Jess, it's been great talking with you. That's, um, all the time we have for today. Um, but thank you so much for, for being on the show. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a wonderful chat. Yeah. Yeah. I've enjoyed it. Um, so, um, I'm Anita Kelly and thanks for joining. Let's talk about books, baby. And thanks again to Jessica Webb for joining us today. And until next time, folks, may your journey be lighthearted. Peace be plenty and be safe.